Isn't that a great song? Amen. King Jesus. That is a great, great song. Uh, before we start, I want to ask uh, Jimmy Murphy, would you please pray for our service? Please, sir. How do I know that I know? How do I know that I know? Well, we'll look at that today. A couple weeks ago before I uh, went to Zim, uh, I preached a message on, on what it meant to be born again. And we talked about being born again is, is when God uh, takes a, a sinner, a person, who is dead in his sins, who if they were to die at that moment would bust hell wide open. And he takes that, uh, that sinner and he forgives that sinner and he cleanses that sinner. He changes the heart of that sinner. And the Bible said he makes him alive in Christ. The greatest thing that anybody could ever do was to be born again. And we talked about being born again, just to refresh your memory, is that we are a new creation when we become a Christian. The Bible says he gives us a new heart. He gives us a new heart for the things of God. He gives us a heart that wants to run away from, from sin and not pursue sin any longer because we have been born again and we want to please our Lord. If you remember, we talked about a Christian now has a new purpose in their life. They have a new priority in their life. They have a new purpose in their life and they have a new passion in their life. Salvation is a really a good thing. We also talked about, if you remember real quickly, that we have been redeemed. And one of the songs sang about that, that, that Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. He redeemed us through his blood that he shed on the cross. We have been redeemed. We've also been justified. The word justified means as if we have never sinned. When God looks at us today and we have the blood of Christ that covers us, it is as if we had never sinned. He has taken our sins upon himself and given us his righteousness through faith. It doesn't get any better than that. If you remember also when we became a Christian, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our down payment promise from God that one day when we pass from this earth that we will spend eternity with him and the last thing is we have eternal life with him to live with with God to be able to walk the streets with Jesus in heaven forever and forever that's a great thing and I hope that that you always believe that and you know that and you trust that but I do know sometimes in this old world that there are times when doubt sometimes creeps in. Have I really been saved? 
And, and in an audience this big, I would, I would think there are people in this room that sometimes would doubt their salvation. Have I really been saved? Because you see, we have an enemy out there, did you know this, that wants you to think that you're not. 1 John 5, 13 says that we can know. It says, these things have been written so that you believe that those who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, John says, you can know for, without a shadow of a doubt. And you don't have to doubt for your salvation. You don't have to, to think that, well, maybe I am and maybe I'm not. And today's message is not designed to put any doubt in anybody's mind. Just to encourage you to reinforce your assurance that you really have been born again. Because you see, the enemy will come along and saddle up to you. And, and, and the enemy will sing that great Linda Ronstadt song back in the 70s for some of us that, that are close to my age. And her favorite hit was, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. That's what, that was her song, her number one hit. If you remember, I know Jimmy remembers, and I know Bill back here remembers. He's at least as old as I am. But the enemy will come up to you and say, we'll sing that song to you. You're no good, you're no good. You're not saved. You're, you, you've sinned too much that God doesn't love you. And the enemy's job is to bring you to a place in your life where you are defeated. When you are in doubt and that you just do not want to know and despair kind of covers you and the enemy wants to just bombard you with those kinds of things so you no longer have your happiness and your joy and you're no longer living an abundant life. So what do you do when he saddles up to you and tells you you're no good? Well, I want to give you some things today that is proof positive that you have been born again proof positive that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are born again, that you are a child of the king, that you have been saved for an eternity. The message is designed not to give you doubt, but to teach you what it looks like to be born again. But if this message speaks to you in a different way, if it warns you and, and, and encourages you, that it shows to you that maybe I've never been born again. Doubt, there's nothing wrong with doubt, but having a false assurance of your faith, there is something wrong with that. There is something wrong thinking that you have been saved when you really have not been saved. That's a problem. And today we're going to address that at, for the Christian, just a, an enforcement that says, yes, I know without a shadow of a doubt. And for those that maybe know and maybe don't know, when these five things are, are talked about today, do these five fruits, these five characteristics, are they part of your life? And that is a question. We're going to look at five of those kinds of things. And what we will see is you don't just have one of the five, <laughs> okay? You don't have two of the five. Every true born-again believer who has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior will possess these five fruits, these five characters. So we're going to look at that today. And I hope it's an encouragement for you so you will know without a shadow of doubt when the enemy says you're not, you can say, yeah, I am, because this is what I've got. That's the point of the message. 
today in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says this. And this is what I want every person in this room to do today, if you would, please. It says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Man, that's, that, that, that is, that's a good thing. To test yourself, to see if you're in the faith. Examine who you are in Christ or who you're not in Christ. And that's what we're going to do today. And then I'll give you a question at the end. See how we did. Okay? With these five fruits that tell you exactly, proof positive, that you have been born again. In Luke 6, Jesus writes these words as to set the tone. Verse 43 through 45, he says this. He says, for there is no good tree that produces bad fruit. No good tree produces bad fruit. Okay. Nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. Okay. Verse 44. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorn trees, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. Verse 45, and good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from what that which fills his heart. And what is he he's saying there? He's really not talking about trees, is he? <laughs> he's talking about human beings, okay? He's talking about human beings. He's talking about good man, good woman, Christians will produce good fruit. An unbeliever who has not been born again will produce bad fruit. It doesn't mix. The good produces good, he says, and the bad produces bad. And there's no in-between there, is there? No gray area right there. And he is saying, for the Christian, you will produce good fruits, will come forth from you, or if you are not a believer, then you will produce a different kind of fruit, which is not, not as good. So what are those five fruits? This is what I want to get to real quickly. The first fruit of knowing that you have truly been born again is this. It is a complete trust in Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and that Christ paid your sin debt. That's the first one. And the rest of these will fall underneath that. But that is the most important thing. You have complete trust in Christ. You see, you see as, as, a, as a believer, we've got to understand that we were never good enough to earn salvation. Did you know that? You're never good enough. You can't do enough good things to earn salvation. It is not Jesus plus. It's not Jesus plus good works. It's not Jesus plus being a good person. It's not Jesus plus tithing. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus helping a lot of old folks across the street. It's not Jesus plus going to seminary. It's not Jesus plus and whatever you want to put in there. It is a faith. It is a belief. It is a trust that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You don't have to add to it. You don't have to subtract to it. All you have to do is believe John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You see, a true born-again believer says, 
Jesus is enough for my salvation. And I believe and I trust him that when I pass from this old earth, that the Bible tells me and my faith is in him, that the angels will come and get me and take me into the very presence of holy God. I trust that and I believe that. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says this, for by grace you've been saved. See, grace is receiving something that you do not deserve. None of us deserve salvation. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith is in Jesus Christ. A trust in Jesus Christ. And he says, and not of yourselves, it is a gift. Salvation is a gift from God to you. And all you have to do is accept it. You can't do anything about that, can you? I had Rhonda's birthday present sitting on my desk yesterday. I was real proud of myself. I got her something. And there it sat. And (laughs) almost forgot to give it to her. But eventually I did. You see, it wasn't a gift sitting on my desk. It became a gift when I handed it to her and she accepted it. Okay? That's the gift. You see, God has salvation out there waiting for all of us, does he not? That is his gift, his son. But until we accept the gift, it's no longer a gift. It's just there. And the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. You can't do anything about it. And as a born-again believer, that's what you believe. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, one of the last things he said was what? It is finished. It is finished. And what do you mean by that? That I, am, I and I am alone have paid the price for your sins. That nobody else could. You don't have to add to it. Don't have to subtract from it. I am enough to save you for an eternity. I am sufficient, he would say. And you see, the first thing that we know as born-again believers is that I put my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone to transport me one day into his very presence. Well, you say, I, I, I got that. I got that. Okay. All right. So good. We're good. One, we're one for one. Okay. The second fruit that I want to look at is obedience. Is obedience to God's word, Christian. We have a desire to be obedient. Obedient means running away from sin. Obedience means uh, not letting sin stay in your heart. Obedience means submitting your life to God. And to make it very basic and very simple is obedience means doing what God has called you to do. Romans 6 says like that, he says it is, we are dead in Christ as believers, but alive. We are dead to our sins, but alive to Christ. You see, when God says to do something, he wants us to do it. James 4.17 says it this way, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. You see, as Christians, we get to choose whether or not we're going to be obedient or not. We get to choose whether or not we will do exactly what he says. We get to choose if I want to love that unlovable person or to forgive that unforgivable person. He, we get to choose that. We get to choose if we want to take a path that leads to him or choose a path away from him but as born again believers we have chosen for obedience john 14 21 says it this way he who has my commandments and we have his commandments do we not 
and keeps them. There's obedience. We know his commandments. We keep his commandments. Is the one who loves me, Jesus says. And who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him. And I will disclose myself to him. When we know his commandments, we are to be obedient to his commandments. When he says, don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) When he says, don't live in that lifestyle. Don't live in that lifestyle. When he says, don't live in sin. Don't live in sin. You see, as Christians, we are called to be obedient to what he has told us to do. Obedience is key. Because obedience proves that we either love him or we don't. That our attitude towards him and our attitude towards sin will tell us what side we are on. Did you know that? What team we are on. 1 John 3, 7 and 8 says it this way. It says, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. You look at that word practice, that means to pursue, to go after. For the Christian, for the Christian to pursue righteousness means that when we sin, we are convicted of sin, and we long to confess that, to clean that up, to make that fellowship right with him again. Because he is righteous and we have his righteousness, we want to do that. We practice, we pursue a righteousness and a holiness because he is. The second part of that verse, though, tells us this. The one who practices sin is of the devil. Again, The word practice means to pursue. Again, the word practice means to go after, to enjoy. If you can live a life that is sinful, if you can live a life in disobedience to God, and you never have conviction, you are never convicted of that. If you're doing stuff that you know God said no, and you're going to do it anyway, and there is no conviction there's nothing, the Holy Spirit is not telling you that, hmm, stop saying, eh, don't. Eh. If that is not happening in your life, you really need to look at your life. Because the Holy Spirit will not allow you to sin without convicting you. He won't let you do it. And if you do whatever you want to do and you live that way and that lifestyle and you do whatever you do and there's no conviction, you might not be saved. You probably aren't saved. I won't make that judgment. You can make that judgment. I'm not going to. But I'm just telling you what God's word says. Christian, we are called for obedience to do exactly what he wants us to do. And we all have a choice, do we not? To be obedient or not obedient. I believe a true born again believer is a God-pleasing kind of a person. I know many of us, when you grew up, you, want to, you wanted to please your father. You wanted to do those things that made him happy and proud. Guess what? As a Christian, that should be us too. To live a life that is pleasing to him, that makes us, in a sense, proud that we are his children and he is our father. Obedience is a huge thing 
for the Christian. The third fruit I think that we are to have is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you know that, Don? Romans 8 9 tells us this. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him, which is Jesus. We've been given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is not in your life, you are not born again. Every Christian receives the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Romans 8.16 says this. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit testifies, verifies to us in our own spirit that yes, we have been born again. Yes, we are a child of God. The Holy Spirit tells us that. It's not a surprise. He wants us you to know, hey, I'm here. Holy Spirit said, hey, I'm here. Right here. I'm part. So that you know that you have the Holy Spirit. You know, when we surrender our lives to Christ, He gives us a different view of things. Do you know that? He gives us a different view of the world. We see the world differently now because we have the Holy Spirit lives within us. He gives us a different view of God, who God really is. And He gives us a different view of ourselves. That's a, one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is that we see things differently now because we have this new heart that he's, that he's given to us. Holy Spirit gives us spiritual truths. Did you know that? You ever read the Bible and you go, boy, I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't know what that means. Well, what do you do about that? <laughs> Holy Spirit, speak through to me, will you? Holy Spirit wants to tell you the truth of God's word. How do I know that? John 14, 26 he will teach you all things and bring into your remembrance all that I said to you. What a beautiful thing that he will bring stuff back up to you. Now, just a little footnote on that. He wants you to put stuff in here <laughs> so that when you need it, he'll be able to help you to bring it back out. Okay? Okay? You study God's word. You put God's word in your heart and memorize it. And you put it in there. I don't know how many times, many, many, I don't know how many times, man, that I've got a verse. Bang, he brings it up to me when I need it. Because I put it in here first. I would encourage you to put it here first so that he can bring it back up to you when you need it. That's God's promise to us. Holy Spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how to pray. Did you know that? There's many times that somebody will say, would you pray for this person? I, 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 maybe I don't even know that person. But I pray for them anyway. How do I pray for them? I don't know. But you know what? Holy Spirit knows how to pray for them. What a great verse, Romans, Romans 8, 26. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we don't know how to pray, Holy Spirit knows how to pray because he knows the mind of the Father. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we are troubled. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the promises of God. There's a good one right there. He reminds us of the promises of God. He gives us words when we don't have the words. Luke 12, 20. Luke 12, 12. When we don't know what to say, Holy Spirit gives us those words to speak. He will teach us in that hour what we ought to say. Romans eight fourteen. For all those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Every born-again Christian in here has the Holy Spirit. We must rely on him and follow him. When we, when we walk after the Holy Spirit, we will not carry out, the Bible says, Galatians 5, 16, the passions of this old world. Yeah. 
Do you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you? Every born-again Christian has it. The fourth fruit, real quickly, is do you love God's people? Do you love God's people? Do you love every Christian in this room? Do you love God's people? Hmm. Do you love God's people? 1 John three fourteen. We know that we have passed out of death into life. That death is that old, sinful, unbelieving nature that we had. Passed to life that is born again, life in Christ. It says we know that we have passed out of that sinful life into the real life of Christ because we love the brethren. Who are the brethren? The brethren are the Christians in this world. Brethren is always a Christian. It's not the world. It's not unbelievers. It's not people way out there. It is the Christians that are in your life. We know we have passed from a sinful life to a abundant life because his word says what? We love the brethren. And he who does not love abides in death. That's God's words, not mine. How can we as Christians love other Christians? How can, how can we love everyone in this room right here? We have one thing in common. And that common denominator is what? It is Jesus. Every born-again believer has made him Lord and Savior of your life. Every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit in your life. What, what is that common denominator? Is that we all have Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if we all have Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are called to love those that have that same common denominator than us. How can I go to Zimbabwe and love those people that look different from me, that speak different from me, and they completely worship different than I have? But I am such at peace with those folks. How can that be? Because we both have the same common denominator, and that's Jesus. That's Jesus. How can they smile at me and me smile at them and want to help them? I don't even know their names, some of them, because I have a common denominator, and that is Jesus. We all have that Christian. You, you don't have a choice. But you are to love every born-again believer that comes into your path. We'll deal with those other folks later. But he's talking about other believers. John thirteen thirty five says this. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another world will know if you love them because the world doesn't see much love anymore my prayer is that this church we have two loves okay and I, and I think we do and I want to keep growing that two loves and that two loves when people walk in that door we felt it and I hope you do too and I hope we continue to do that is that we love God and we love people those are the two loves that we are to have and if this church has those two kinds of loves, we're on the right path. Because I honestly believe people feel that, they know it, if they've been loved or not. We pray that this will continue in our church to be like that. The fifth fruit, real quick, is you have a desire for discipleship. You have a desire... <laughs> To know more about the Lord. 
You have a desire to to be a part of the Lord's work. You have a desire to study, to live, to be obedient to his work. Do you have a desire to get in his word and read it so that you'll know more about him? Wouldn't you want to know more about the creator of the universe who knows the number of hairs on your head, who loves you in spite of all your faults, who sent his son to die on a cross just for you, shed his blood? Wouldn't you want to know something about him? You see, as Christians, we've got to have that. We've got to have that passion to read his word and know what his word is and be obedient to his word. We've got to have a passion to, to spend time praying, talking, asking, praising, confessing. You see, that's where we are as Christians. We have to have this discipleship. We've got to long to have a passion for him. For the one who, who made us, who fearfully and wonderfully made us in the womb, who knew us before we were even thought of down here. He already knew your name up there before the foundation of the world. Don't you want to know something about him? True born-again believers want to know what's in this book. And I say that with all love. So many times we spend so much time reading other stuff, worldly books, and... I'll open it today. Maybe this ought to be your first option. Because it's God's love letter to us, is it not? This is what I've done for you. This is what I'm going to do for you. And we find it in his book. Man, we've got to have a passion to read his word. We've got to have a passion to pray. We've got to have a passion to be in the house of the Lord every Sunday. And I told you this, and I'll tell you again. What an encouragement. The Bible calls us to be here. It wants us to be here. It's not an option for us to be here. We are here because we love the Lord. I hope coming to church is never an ordeal. But it's on your number one priority list every Sunday morning. Sometimes I understand that we can't be here. Number one priority is to be here with the Lord. Do you want the Lord to shape you, to mold you? Do you want to be more like Christ? Ongoing discipleship is the key for believers. There are the five fruits, I believe, that uh, we can look at and see if you have been born again. Do you really trust Jesus as the only way to salvation? Are you obedient to him? Do you run to sin or you run away from him? Do you possess the Holy Spirit? Does he indwell you? Do you have that love for God's people? That you're required to have. That's a big word. And do you have a passion to know more of him? A passion to know more of him from his word. A passion to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. To give you truth. How you doing on that little quiz there? If you say, boy, Don, I got, I got all five of them. Man, I praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope you do. But, but Don, I got, I got the first one. I would really believe Christ is, is the sinner, and I, I'm putting my faith in him, and I'm trusting in him. But, but the other one's God, I just, nah, I just don't get to it. I, I, just, I just don't. I really, I really don't want him telling me what to do. I really don't want to be obedient. I really want to just kind of do my own thing, live my own life, and, and I got my fire insurance, and I'm good. But obedience, nah. 
I know what he says, but I just, I really don't, really don't care what he says. You got a problem. As being a born-again Christian, you can't be that way. Well, I have no connection with the Holy Spirit now. I've been, I think I've been born again, but I got the Holy Spirit. I don't know what that is. I don't know who he is. I don't have a connection. I don't follow him. I don't ask him for anything. I don't, I don't seek, seek him. Now, that's a problem if you think you've been born again. Because every born-again Christian has the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, God living in you. Well, I, there's, I love some of, the, uh, some of the Christians in this church, but I can't love everybody. There's no way. Remember, some of them folks are just like, ooh, no, I can't do it. That's not what the Bible says, does it? How can you not love somebody that has the same common denominator in your life that he, that, that he does? How can you love, not love somebody who's been saved by the power of Christ? Who... Christ died for them also, not just you. He died for them too. And you can sit in that pew and not love somebody? That's an issue. Because the Bible says, if you've been truly born again, you will love my brethren. And it's just proof on which side of the, of the teams you are on, <laughs> if you love or not, he said. Well, I just, you know... I'll read my word every so often. I'll come to church every so often. I just, I got better things to do sometimes on Sunday. Born again Christian, is that right? No, it's not right. It's not right. See, when we submitted our lives to Christ, and we take up our cross and follow him, it is no longer our life. It's him living in us. And we've submitted to him and we want to live our life that's pleasing to him. We want to do those things that are pleasing to him. And part of that is getting to know him better in his word and getting to know better from, from Bible study and getting to know him better through prayer. And yet we neglect that as, as, as Christians. I'm not sure God's pleased with that. How do you know that you know? There are five fruits that I just gave you, five characteristics that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you have been born again. Those are five fruits and five characteristics that you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you've never been born again. And I don't know what side of the fence you're on, but I promise you if, if, if you're on this side of the fence and none of those other things apply to you, you need Jesus in your life. And I say that with all love, but I also say it with all truth and all boldness and all courage that, that God can give to me. I, I do not want to stand before God one of these days and he asks you, why, God did, why, Don, did you not tell them the true gospel? Why, why did you just let them think they've been born again when you knew they weren't? I can't do that. I love you guys too much. That's where the message comes from is through love. Because I want every person one of these days, I want to live with every person in this room for eternity. I want to be able to walk the streets of gold and say, hey, Carrie, how you doing? Hi, Leah, how you doing? Hi, Barry, how you doing, man? Had a great service that one Sunday, didn't we? I want that for everybody. So that's where the heart of the message comes from. I cannot stand the thought of somebody thinking 
they've been born again. And on that great judgment day, Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. I could not stand that if I had to stand before God. The invitation is this. If you, all five of these fruits are in your life, I'm going to ask you to pray for somebody that you think or do not have those five fruits. Oh